1: Hey, welcome, everyone. This is uh, Charlie, and I'm here with Eva. Welcome to our show, Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva, where the mission is simple, right? To make a difference in the workplace, even as one person. Um, that's the theme. Those are the messages. That's what we provide. Yes. How are you?
2: I'm perfect. Um, thanks, everyone, for joining today. As usual, you know, I say this a lot, but we do have a really great show today. We had a great show last week as well. With Bill Parsons, when we were talking about 007 confidence. And I think that's kind of a nice segue into this week's show because we're going to need 007 confidence as we navigate healthcare.
1: Absolutely. Um, I want to say a couple of things in front of that. First, it's very hot, it's in the 90s. Um, Another chaotic Monday. We're a little disheveled, but we are here. So, welcome everyone. Um, I want to say we have a great show next week and I I can't wait to bring on Corinne summer next week Mm. because she has reinvented herself from a corporate executive into a best-selling author. I mean, if you want to learn net net what it takes to reinvent your career, it's going to be great because uh, she really did a fantastic job. So I can't wait to have her next week. Uh, I just want to share that with everyone. Um, that's a really
2: good point because you know a lot of people talk about reinventing, but not too many of us can actually
1: do it. So well, I think
2: when people do it, it's, it's
1: yeah, great, and, right. And and not only that, right? It's almost it's related. It's related to this show as well. Um, and let me just explain, right? And I posted this on a recent blog. Um, many of us, excuse me, little technical issue here. Many of us. May want to move on. Many of us may want to reinvent. And in the past, many of us were kind of being held back because of healthcare.
2: Mm, Where are yeah, we going to get
1: point. the coverage? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, things are different now. You have that opportunity and it may open the doors for us as potential entrepreneurs, right? To change what we do, reinvent ourselves because we have that option. Right. I know for us, we have our own personal health care and, you know, we did it with um,
2: concern. Well, we had to navigate, right? Because we had to navigate we had a lot of options. We had the COBRA option, which was crazy. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, the COBRA option was
1: absolutely nuts. I just it's old way of thinking. Yeah. And we have since navigated to a personal plan that has really um come up big for us.
2: Yeah, it did really come up big. And it actually was fairly easy because about 15, dare I say, yeah, 15 years ago, I had to get my own insurance. And back then it was a nightmare. You had to go through a broker and I had no issues. And yet it was really hard for me to get any kind of insurance. And now we did it all online and it was easy. So, um, I mean, relatively easy. It wasn't super easy, but it really was not that hard. Right.
1: And, um, the reason why I we have John for this show yeah. is recently there was an article in the Wall Street Journal about where are all the workers? Mm-hmm. If the economy has come back, why haven't the workers? There seems to be a void, like a, a hole of no more workers to fill some of the old type positions. Um, and my response to that was many of us left the building. Yeah. Many of us moved on and reinvented ourselves now that we have options like affordable health care, and we're no longer out there. So, you know, life goes on, and I I want everybody to understand that because that's a good thing. Right. Right. Yeah, and I really
2: want to get John's opinion on a lot of this because a lot of times people will say, well, the reason I can't leave my job is because of health care. And one of the new things is is that you don't have pre-existing conditions anymore, right? So you can switch jobs if you have a pre-existing condition. Now, what happens with premiums? I'm not really sure. We really didn't have an issue with a crazy premium. The premium
1: that we're paying now, we'll just share. And one other thing, and there's, there's no need to fear we may not have this, the coverage we need. Right. That's the other thing that's important. Right. 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 Because since we have changed our plan, we've had a need more than ever in our lives for healthcare Mm -hmm. and it came up for us. Mm -hmm. Right. So, you know, I wanted to share all that, um, with everyone. Um, I wanted to say, I wanted to backtrack a little bit because I think we might have lost
2: the feed for a second. And all we're basically saying is that it's a different ballgame now with healthcare, and that you shouldn't really let healthcare impact you
1: anymore, like it used to. Right. 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 Um, you know, a couple of things about uh, Mr. Garner. We take pride in the fact that we have met every guest that we will bring on the show. Um, which is a good thing. Mm-hmm. And when we met John in New York City last year, I mean, all of what you just said clicked. This is the guy we need. Right. Right. Um, you know, he comes at it from two different places. He comes at it from what healthcare is if you're a corporation. Right. As well as a small business, a small business right. right? Because it is the law mm-hmm. um, and we need to understand that. I mean, like, even for us, right? What if we miss the October window? What does that mean?
2: Well, yeah. And then, and then what's the difference between being on the exchange as opposed to, you know, going through e-health insurance like we did? I mean, maybe there is no difference. I don't know.
1: Right. And there's a lot of questions. And right? that's why his book is really big. Right. It's, there's a lot in there. <laughs> there's a lot. Right. In there. <laughs> um, okay. So this is great. A little, uh, you know, information up front and, um, we will, maybe take an early break, Mm -hmm. right, so that we can spend more time with John because it is really a learning show, right? Um, Politics aside, we need to learn about healthcare,
2: Right, because regardless of the politics, this is what is happening now, and this is what you need to know, and this is what you need to understand. And I'm just going to add something really quick. I also kind of heard in the background that more people in the creative arts are starting to – they had actually migrated to like Europe and stuff with the healthcare, right? And are starting to migrate back because of the Healthcare Act. Interesting. Yeah, I think that's really interesting because now they can get health care, which in the past they really couldn't get affordable health care. We'll have to
1: see what if we can get metrics on that. So yeah, I know that would be good, right? Yeah. Okay, so excellent. Um, we're gonna take a quick break, please stay with us. This is corporate talk with Charlie and Eva. We'll be right back with our very special guest, John Garner.
0: And now let's return to Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva on Talkzone.com.
2: Welcome back everyone. This is Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva, and this is your host, Eva Lewandusky, and I'm here with Charlie Lobasco. And today we're and today we're talking about healthcare with John Garner. Um this is a really big topic, right? I mean, healthcare is a huge topic for us, so I can't wait to get John on the line. But before I get him on, um, I just want to remind everyone that if you have a question, please call in. And the number to call in is one 463 6748 That's one 463 6748 If you have any questions at all, please dial in. It would be great to hear from you. So, um... Before we go any further, let's go ahead and introduce John Garner. John, are you there?
3: I am. Hello, Charlie. Hello, Eva.
2: Hey, John. John, it's great to have you on. And before we get started, why don't we um, why don't you give everyone your contract your contact information and your website where they can get your book, et cetera?
3: Okay. Uh, the website is GarnerConsulting.com. That's G-A-R-N-E-R. Um, My email address, if somebody wants to send me a question privately, is john at Garner And uh, the phone number here is 626-351-2300 if they want to call with a question later on. And the book is the Health Insurance Answer Book, Uh, It's published by Walters Kluwer, and rather than trying to spell that for people, the easiest way to get it is just a Google health insurance answer book. Um, If you buy it on Amazon, make sure you get the 11th edition. Um, The 4th edition would be woefully out of date, and I know the (laughs) multiple editions of it. (laughs)
2: That's (laughs) That's true, yeah. Wow. So, John – you wrote this book that I think others would fear to even think about writing. And so it would be great if you can share with your with our listeners a little bit about your background and how this book came about and, and what your background is that you can even write such a book.
3: Uh, it's a funny story about how it came about. My background is that out of college, I was looking for a job, and an insurance company offered me a job, and I got into insurance, and, Worked for a couple of insurance companies before I was recruited to a consulting firm. And after going through a couple of mergers, decided that I'd be happier as my own boss. And I founded my own consulting firm 27 years ago this month.
2: Wow. Wow. So yeah. you've, been, you've been in the game a long time. So you've seen a lot of changes.
3: I've seen lots of changes. And sometimes it's the same old things coming around again. Uh, which I think gives me a, a great perspective on it. Uh, the way I got uh, into writing the book was I was writing a column uh, for a journal that's no longer in print, and the editor of that journal called me up and said, "Gee, we've got this book. You know, it's it needs to be updated." Um, it's a question and answer format. Could you look at the list of questions and suggest some new questions? I said, oh, sure, I could do that. And then he calls and says, oh, those are great questions. Could you write answers? I said, okay, (laughs) I could do that. Um, And then he calls and says, gee, you, you were a big help. We'd like to list you as one of the authors. And I said, oh, that's very nice. Thank you. And then he calls again and says, you know, you really did more than anybody else. We'd like to list you as the sole author. And I said, well, if my name is going to be on the whole thing, I've got to review all the rest of it. He said, fine, I'll send it to you. <laughs> so <laughs> that's how I got roped into it. That was 20 years ago. Wow. And I've been uh, doing either a new edition or a supplement to it every year since then.
1: But you have to admit, right, it's more different now than ever in that healthcare care industry. Oh, right? absolutely. Um, um, if I was to just, and we'll go into it in detail, but yeah. just to cut to the chase, um, is it, is the ugly more political than actual content in the bill, or is it really ugly?
3: Um, well, there's good, bad, and ugly. And the, the, Ugly is in the way some employers may respond to it. I mean, certainly the politics are ugly. There's there's no question about that. Mm -hmm. But what I'm really fearful of is the employers that are going to cut people's hours so that they don't have to pay a penalty for failing to offer them insurance. Mm -hmm. And Um, that, that will hurt a lot of people if employers do take that and I'm sure some of them will.
1: And and you're referring to the employers that are currently not paying for health coverage for their employees, right?
3: Yeah, there's a lot of employers that really don't have to do anything differently. Well, I mean, there's lots of notices and reports and certain tweaking of plans that are required. But in terms of the basics, a lot of employers are already offering employees, coverage that meets the minimum value requirement Have over 100 employees in 2014. In 2015, they will be subject to a penalty of $2,000 for every employee um, if they don't offer minimum value affordable coverage to all their full-time to substantially all of their full-time employees. so that's that's a big hit. I mean, for larger companies, that's hundreds of thousands or even millions of dollars.
1: So, and the, and the number is 100 employees. Is that what's in the uh, in the law?
3: Uh, no, the the law says 50, uh, but they created a transition rule. So, for 2015, the penalties will only apply to employers who had 100 or more employees in hmm. 2014. And then it goes down to fifty in 2016.
1: Okay, and I'm just trying to understand uh, if, for me as an individual, insurance now is cheaper to use that word in cost for me to obtain. Would the same be true for the corporations? Would they have a? Would it be less expensive for them to insure those hundred employees? Than it would have been pre-healthcare reform.
3: No. Um, it, there may be certain instances where they may be able to find something that's, that's comparable and less expensive, but for the most part, costs are higher. And they're, they're higher, first of all, because costs have been going up historically anyway because of you know new drugs and new technology and increased utilization and all that also elements of the health care reform law that drive up costs. There's a new health insurance tax. There's a a transitional reinsurance contribution that uh, goes to subsidize uh, insurance companies who who got a lot of bad risks through the exchange. Um, That's a, a temporary thing, but it's a big amount.
1: Did you actually read the bill?
3: I have not read every word of it because there are certain parts of it that don't pertain to me, like uh, rules about the Indian Health Service or taxes on pharmaceutical manufacturers. But I've I've read everything that I feel applies to what I do.
1: Wow, because I I go back to um, John Boehner's comment, nobody read it, it's too big. (laughs)
3: Well, read half, it, yeah. but nobody had the chance to
1: <laughs> interesting right mm, I mean yeah. things are different now for sure um, and maybe it's the advantages on um, the individual it seems right John than it is for the corporation
3: oh uh, individuals are clearly better off uh, there, there's some people who may be worse off they may have had a a high deductible plan that had sort of bare bones coverage that they were very happy with and now that's not available anymore. But uh the vast majority of people are better off. They they have the opportunity to get insurance. Uh there's no pre existing conditions exclusions, there's no lifetime maximums. You know, most people are definitely better off.
2: Yeah, I mean that's what we found too, and we went looking for our own insurance. And and actually, I had a question on that regarding now employers that are giving their employees insurance. Is there ever a time when, as an employee, because I know sometimes you know, is I had individual coverage for a long time where it was just me, and that was always relatively inexpensive um, for me. I mean, not for my employer, but then when I know my friends that had families that had children that could rise substantially. Does it make sense now if you find that your insurance coverage could be kind of high by your employer? Does it make sense to look on the exchange or to look on, like, ehealthinsurance.com? And and I actually have a question going forward on that, too. But does it make sense to look for your own coverage if you think that what you're paying is high?
3: Yeah. uh, A lot of employers are increasing the amounts that employees have to pay for family coverage, Mm -hmm. So even if the employer is making some contribution toward that, it's entirely possible that people could get more affordable coverage either on an exchange or uh, directly from an insurance company or, as you say, through e-health insurance. Um, The the important thing is if they've been offered coverage through their employer that is Mm -hmm. both affordable and minimum value, they're not eligible for a subsidy if they go to the exchange.
2: Oh, I got you. Okay. But, yeah, I was wondering that because it just seemed like when, when I had become a consultant quite a while ago, um, over 15 years ago, when I had to go get my own coverage, I had to go through a broker, and it seemed like I just had to go through all this hassle. And then when I finally did get coverage, it was not through, like, Blue Cross at the time or Anthem Now. I mean, it it was through some, you know, like, Bob's Insurance, Inc., right? And there was nothing discounted. So it just seems like now, I mean, people really have an opportunity to, if they think that their
1: employer's health insurance is too high, so,
2: it does actually make sense for them
1: to shop around a little bit well let me let me ask a question now, right based yeah. on all of that. So I have a company and I have a hundred employees mm-hmm. and if I don't offer them health insurance, I may be subject to paying a fine. Mm-hmm. but what if they can get better coverage, maybe even less expensive on their own John to could I just say I no longer offer the coverage because it's so readily available?
3: Uh, that's right. I think some employers will take that approach. They'll just say, fine, I'll pay the $2,000. First of all, $2,000 is less than what most employers pay toward the cost of insurance anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I would um, think.
2: It would be a lot less, actually.
3: Yeah. I mean, your your average yeah. cost is probably around $10,000. Uh, mm-hmm. The thing is, You know if the two thousand is not tax deductible so you need to factor in the impact of the the loss of tax deductibility on that and if you've been giving insurance to your employees and you take it away then they're going to want to be made whole uh, which means paying more money
1: yeah
3: more money which Mm is
1: Okay, so we're about a minute or two before a break, but I, I just want to clarify something, and that is if I'm a corporation with a hundred or so employees and I fit that that demographic we were we're discussing, am I obligated to offer insurance to my employees, or is it an option? What I'm hearing now is it's not really an option because if they opt out of the coverage even if they choose to opt out I still have to pay a penalty
3: that's right you, you, employers don't have to offer the coverage but if they don't do it they have to pay a penalty
1: but if they
2: offer it and someone opts out they don't have they don't have a penalty then or do yeah,
3: they, they do um, the the rules are kind of complicated on that uh, let's say an employer does offer coverage uh, that's minimum value and affordable to at least, in 2015, it's 70% of their full-time employees. That goes up to 95% in 2016. If they offer that, but let's say somebody's in that 30% that is not offered coverage, and that yeah. individual goes to an exchange and gets a subsidy, then there's a $3,000 penalty for each one of those Employees who gets a subsidy.
1: Okay, so the plot thickens, we'll have to talk this out a little deeper when we come back from our break. Please stay with us. We're we're getting into the bits and bytes of uh, healthcare. Um, this is corporate talk with Charlie and Eva, and special guest John Connor. We'll be right back.
0: Let's get back to Charlie and Eva for more corporate talk on Talk Zone.
1: Okay, guys, we're back. Um, whew, that. That Charlie speaking guy we heard on the commercials, he's uh, getting a lot of trust. Who's that Charlie (laughs) Labasco? So, John, I guess maybe um, it doesn't make sense for me to get too deep because it's very complicated, um, and we want to go down a lot of the other bullets. I mean, before the break, we were talking about maybe some alternative penalties. But I guess at a high level, the best thing to do is to contact you. I would think, right? So these corporations, small businesses that may be bearing this burden of complexity, need to reach out to you. So let's just share your website again.
3: It's uh, garnerconsulting.com, G-A-R-N-E-R-C-O-N-S-U-L-T-I-N-G.com.
1: Excellent. Because, I mean, you know, without you, where do we turn, right? Right? (laughs) We're all alone
3: most um, most employers turn to their insurance agents and brokers, and most of them do a very good job um, and I like to think that I'm a little bit different than everybody else you know my years of experience my my writing the book you know and updating it every year keeps me on top of everything mm-hmm. and one of the other things that I think distinguishes us is rather than just spreadsheeting a lot of options, we try and help employers think through the strategy uh, to help them make sure that what they're doing fits with their corporate mission and values, their human resources philosophy, their total compensation strategy. Um, I, I recently did a project for an employer uh, that has been honored as you know one of the best places to work, and one of their executives said, gosh, this penalty is only $2,000. Shouldn't we just pay that? Wouldn't that be cheaper? And, you know, as I explained, that may or may not be cheaper. um, But that would just go totally counter to the the culture they've built of being the best place to work. And so that idea just did not fit in that environment. Yeah, good point.
1: That's a really good point. Yeah,
2: yeah. So that sometimes it gets down to that bottom line, but then when you start looking at, well,
1: what is it that, you know, what is your corporate culture? Right. right. And then, then John, that's when we, we lean on you covertly, all of us workplace improvement revolutionaries, because if the corporate culture that you're working with at the time says, we well, don't care about anything. We just want to save money. Maybe you, you know, can steer them back into the fold, right? Mm-hmm.
3: Right. Yeah, that's a and great the point. other thing is a lot of employers have talked about cutting hours because the penalty only applies to people who work an average of 30 hours a week or more. And so a lot of employers have said, fine, we're going to cut people's hours. And the danger in that is you might not have enough experienced staff to meet your customers' needs. And mm-hmm. if that's the case, then you're going to lose business. So, mm-hmm. that you know, you, you've got to make sure – you're meeting your customers' needs first and foremost. And if if the way to do that is to have people work enough hours to qualify for insurance, then that's a cost of doing business. But it's it's better than losing the business because you didn't meet their needs.
2: Well, and I'm going to even go a little bit of a step further, right? You know, when you're looking at a company where the, the um, executive salaries and compensation – is maybe bare bones, then I think you can argue about whether or not you should cut people's hours and, you know, whether or not you can give them this coverage. But on the other hand, I mean, what we've been seeing is that in a lot of organizations, the the executive compensation is way over the top. So, you know, it's all about, you know, figuring out a way to make more money. And I know that people just go crazy when I say that. But on the other hand, you know, for some reason, we can always find a way to compensate the executives, but we always find a way to cut the workforce where it's if it, the workforce are the people are, that are the ones that are the first line with the customer.
1: You are becoming a workplace improvement revolutionary. <laughs> oh, yes, I am. <laughs> well,
3: I, I couldn't agree with you more about that being a major problem. <laughs> yeah.
2: So, you know, I have a question. I wanted to get into individual insurance coverage cuz i think a lot of people have questions about that and one of the things one of the questions that i had that i really was not sure about is if you're in a state that offers the exchange which does it make more sense to go to the exchange first or does it make more sh- sense to go to e health insurance or or what do you do i don't know
3: it depends on your income level um- okay If your income is under 400% of the federal poverty level, and that is based on household size, uh, then you may be able to get a subsidy if you go through the exchange. Um, Now, you you won't necessarily get a subsidy. The subsidy is intended to keep insurance costs under 8% of household income. And in some areas, like Southern California, where I live, the premiums on the exchange were so low there were there are a lot of people who make less than 400 percent of the federal poverty level who don't qualify for a subsidy because the the premiums already under eight percent of their household income so it's it's a complex formula but uh depending on your income you may be able to get a subsidy if you go through the exchange subsidies are not available outside the exchanges
1: and the whole point of the subsidy is to keep your healthcare costs within the 8% range of what your total household
3: budget It's the household income. It's a modified adjusted gross income.
1: Okay, so the so the people in your example from California weren't necessarily getting screwed out of a benefit because they were still paying the same in the same means, right?
3: Right. They they had insurance available for less than 8% of the household income. So they didn't get a subsidy, but they, they had affordable health insurance.
1: I'm wondering if we have metrics on the numbers that went through the exchange that did not qualify or receive a subsidy because I think there's also um, a thinking out there that the anybody that goes through the exchange is – getting government assistance. It's not necessarily the
3: case. It's not the case. Um, I believe I saw a report during the open enrollment process, not a final number, uh, that indicated that over half the people getting coverage through the exchanges were getting a subsidy. Really? If if someone doesn't qualify for a subsidy um, in most parts of the country they can get the same policy directly from an insurance company at the same cost. And so it, it's just easier not to mess with the exchange because the there's lots of hoops you have to jump through on the exchange websites.
1: Uh, right. And, you don't and have to do know, all that just, dealing
3: directly with an insurance
1: company. Right, exactly. And that's what we did, right? Because yeah. We because did not go through the exchange. I was
2: clueless. We'll yeah. share
1: this with everyone. Okay. Um, and, and we went to the insurance company directly, but we...
2: Well, were, we went to eHealth Insurance, and they had options on there, and I just
1: and started clicking. And we were able to get a plan that had since been basically reinvented to support the health care reform modifications. Does that right. make sense, John?
3: Right. A, a lot of plans had to be modified to meet all the requirements of health care reform.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and, and ironically, at the end of the day, we're paying less than we were paying in corporate, mm-hmm. and I'm on the fence whether or not the coverage is actually better. It might even be better now.
2: Well, we just have a, we have a high deductible now, which is different, right? We didn't have that before. Yeah. But, yeah, once we met that deductible. So, actually, I had a question on that. So, I know there's no lifetime caps anymore. Can they still, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Can they still deny you coverage?
3: Uh, no. You know, they, they can't deny coverage because of your health status. Now, if you fail to pay the premiums, they can cancel your policy. If you okay. commit fraud, they can cancel your policy. Um, but they can't deny coverage no matter how sick you are because of health reasons.
2: Okay. But they can, I'm assuming that they can increase your premiums, though, your monthly premiums.
3: No. um, But they can't. Individual insurance policy, well, they they can increase them, but they can't zero in on the sick people and increase only their premiums.
2: Oh, okay. Um, Because I was thinking, like, you know, this year we happened to hit the deductible, so I was thinking next year, when it was time to renew the policy, that they would increase us.
3: No, it's, it's not like auto insurance, where if you have mm-hmm. an accident, they raise your premiums. The, the claim experience for all individual policyholders for an insurance company within a state is thrown into one big pool. And based on the experience of that entire pool, then the rates will change. So that if an insurance company gets a lot of sick people and not very many healthy people, then their rates will go up. And that's that's part of what this reinsurance contribution I was talking about briefly it is designed to mitigate. You know, there will be payments to insurance companies that get a lot of bad risks through the exchanges. But um, they they can't say, oh, you met your deductible. We're going to raise your premium.
1: Hmm.
2: Um, oh, no, I didn't know that because I know when I had my own insurance in the past, I mean, every year my premiums were going up and they were going up by a lot, even though I really, I didn't have any claims because I had a high deductible then and I never reached the
1: deductible. So that's really interesting to know. That's a good bit of information. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. Um, and uh, we're going to take our next break in a few seconds John, so please stay with us when we come back. I have a question about your book that I want to ask, and then we'll go down the bullet points of some of our lightning round type questions um, (laughs) that you, you know, can help us with because we all, this is just found information. So please, everyone, a lot more info coming. This is Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva and our very special guest, John Garner. We will be right back.
0: Welcome back to Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva on TalkZone.com.
2: Welcome back, everyone. This is Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva, and our guest today is John Garner, and we're talking about health insurance. And just to give you a little bit of information about John, his website is GarnerConsulting.com. That's G-A-R-N-E-R Consulting.com. And his book is The Health, Health Insurance Answer Book, And make sure you get the 11th edition when you go on Amazon. And you can also check out his book on his website. So, John, I mean, all of this information has been great. I mean, we could talk for another couple of hours, right? And I think that we still would have unanswered questions.
3: We could talk all day about it and not address everything.
2: (laughs) Not address everything. That's absolutely right. But what you have addressed has been really helpful. So basically what we're finding out is that for employers it's not so great, but for the individuals it's pretty good. Right? Yeah, it sounds like it. Yeah, it sounds better. So um,
1: I know that you had a question around the book. Right? Well, I had a question around the book, you know, and, and I just want to share this, right, because um, most of our guests have written a book, mm-hmm. and we admire them for that, okay? Right. Um, but in John's case, it's a little different mm-hmm. because he's writing a book, about the ever-changing laws of health insurance. So, John, I mean, that's kind of risky on your part, right? I mean, you, and that's maybe is that hence the eleventh edition? Is that where that comes from? I mean, who's guaranteeing the compliance of what's in the book?
3: Um, well, I've got my name on it, so I make every effort to make sure it's as accurate as possible. Um, and it, it, it's not because it's. In print, it can't ever be totally up to date. You know, as of press right. time, it's the latest information available, um, but things do change. So right. I,
1: so I'm this book is uh, of... a living document, almost. Right.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, in some ways, I would prefer if it was all electronic and I could update it uh, on a almost daily basis, but uh, that's that's not the way the the publisher wants it, so we, we've got a, a, a print edition.
1: Hmm. Yeah. I know Walters Kluwer, so I used to uh, work with them. I'll call them for you. Maybe they can. <laughs> 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 um, so, no, that's good. So if, if we were a business, small business, mm-hmm. I can. what I would do is it is kind of complicated. Um, I'm not sure if I'm doing everything I can to – avoid the penalties or make them as soft as possible. I would just contact John. Right. Right? GhanaConsulting.com. But if I'm an individual, so what do I do, John, if I miss the enrollment? And what is the enrollment? Why is it a window to enroll?
3: Well, the the purpose of that is so that people don't say, oh, I'm gonna now that I can get insurance no matter how sick I am I'm just gonna wait until I get sick and then go buy insurance. It would be like waiting until your house is on fire to buy homeowner's insurance. Now that that is not an economically feasible model. So they have an annual open enrollment period where people can get insurance, no questions asked. And then there are special enrollment periods so that if certain events occur, if you lose your insurance or you get married or you have a baby or you move to a new area, you can get insurance if you have one of those events. So there, there's going to be millions of people who qualify for a special enrollment period this year.
1: Okay, and the enrollment um, exceptions is not specific to health care reform. They always existed, right?
3: Uh, under group insurance plans, yes, so that if your employer uh, offered coverage okay. and you didn't take it, but then you got married, you could sign up not only your spouse, but yourself.
1: Uh, okay, so so we did, and we rushed through it, and we're not happy with the plan that we have. What can we do then?
3: Well, um, for the most part, you need to learn to work with what you've got, because unless you move to a new area and new plans are available to you, you're stuck with what you've got. But you can learn to work with the insurance company. Uh, You might need some sort of advocate, uh, an insurance agent or a friend or relative who's knowledgeable about the system. Um, But uh, you you need to figure out what insurance company rules are and use them to your advantage.
1: No, we know a person in fact his his contact number is 6263512300 and um he has a book out that has all of the details that you could possibly imagine to help you help guide you through it and his name is John Garner huh. right thank you <laughs> um so no I, I it's very complicated so um do you have with all of your knowledge and everything you've been through any suggestions on how it can be improved
3: i've got a lot of suggestions uh the the biggest thing that concerns me is this 30 hour cliff that we talked about and how employers might reduce employees hours under 30 and you know the problem isn't 30 the problem is that there's a cliff if it was set at 25 or 35 you'd have the same issue um change the 30 hours to 35, and then if someone worked uh, less than that, have a penalty that would be prorated based on the actual hours worked compared to the base of 35. And that way, an employer would not have an incentive to cut people's hours.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah. Oh, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, John has
3: our back, you can tell.
2: Yeah,
1: he does. That's good.
2: And. So I have also some questions on individual insurance because I think that people aren't understanding that things have changed. So even if you have a high deductible now, aren't certain things, aren't certain procedures now covered even before you hit that deductible?
3: Yes. Uh, One of the nicest features of the law is for non-grandfathered plans, they have to cover 100% of preventive services. And the list of preventive services is very long. It's you know It comes from different sources, but you put it all together, and it's something like 18 pages long. Um, wow. So there, there's all kinds of things there. But some things are preventive in one circumstance and not in another. For instance, a perfectly healthy 50-year-old has a screening colonoscopy. That's preventive. That's 100%. But let's say that screening colonoscopy turns up a polyp, and so the doctor wants to do another colonoscopy in a couple of years or maybe in just six months to make sure they got it all. Uh, That's not preventive anymore. That's because they had something. So the the rules are kind of complicated, and a lot depends on how the doctor's office codes things. If you go in to see a doctor to have your blood pressure checked, and while you're there, you say, gee, I've had this cough, can you listen to my chest? Now, if the doctor codes that the blood pressure screening is the primary reason for the visit, then it's preventive and it's paid at 100%. But if they put down the cough as the primary diagnosis code, it's not going to be paid at
1: 100%. Wow. Oh I've got you. So it's a little
2: complicated. Jeez. Yeah. So you can't you have to be careful of what with what you go in for and to make sure that you understand that if it's if it's an issue that you're having, then it's no longer preventative. Yeah. No. Or if they find an issue during a preventative procedure, then yeah. that's
1: also part of your deductible. This has been great. I know, I agree with John when he says we could talk about it all day and not yeah, make it sense. Yeah. So I just want to share Garner Consulting, G-A-R-N-E-R Consulting.com. John at GarnerConsulting.com. The book is very thick, as we've been saying. Yes. Health Insurance Answer Book. You can get it on John's website. The 11th edition. The 11th edition. Uh, John, we would love to have you back um, as we learn more and hear from our listeners more. But this has been fantastic. Any final thoughts to John? No,
2: I just want to say, John, thank you so much. This has been really helpful. And I know you've in in just this hour you've given people a lot of information that I know that they did not know beforehand. So thank you for that.
3: Oh, you're quite welcome. It's been my pleasure and I look forward to being back.
2: Excellent. That would
3: be terrific.
1: Take care. Thanks a lot, and we'll speak to you soon for sure.
3: Have a good night. Thank you, Charlie.
1: Okay, take care. Um, yeah, so we got a little smarter this week. We did get a little smarter. Right. Um, yes. And I love the fact that the rates can I, I might start smoking. Oh no, you won't. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's a different topic like, for another time. Yeah. Um, and again, uh, so, gone to consulting and this was a great show and uh, we'll see everybody next week with Corinne Summer, reinvention. Thank you everyone. Have a good night.